Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you who made deaf ears hear and blind eyes see, give us hearts that trust you and that trust you more and more with each new day. So show us your faithfulness to us in your word and change us by the gospel to trust you more today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And then he takes that blind man by the hand and then leads him all the way outside of the village. And then it says, when he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him, and then Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he says, well, you know, I I see people, but they, they look like trees walking around. And then once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then again his eyes were opened and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home saying, yeah, you don't even need to go in the village, just go home. That short story we're going to look at in two different ways today. I think there are two layers that Mark wants us to look at, wants us to see two levels of this story, and we're going to look at both of those, so in two parts today. And the first part is a literal reading of this story. So you take a literal reading of something, you you say this actually happened as it says it happened. So Mark purports to tell eyewitness accounts of what actually happened in Jesus' life and ministry. So a very plain reading of this would say, Jesus truly healed a man who was blind. But if this is exactly how it happened, aren't there a few challenging things here? Aren't there a few weird things about this story? Are there? Yeah, what's weird about this story if it happened exactly the way Mark tells us it did, which I believe it did? What's weird about this? Yeah, Jesus needed two tries to get it right. Jesus doesn't heal the guy right away. He he gets it wrong the first time or or half right or I don't know how you want to say it, but it comes out weird, doesn't it? Jesus is back in the Jewish area, northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Remember, we've looked at a lot of maps with that. So that's the town of Bethsaida. And then this blind man is brought to Jesus. And then he takes them away from the village, this is important, to deal privately with this man. So he's not a spectacle. Jesus does this a lot in his ministry. You see, if you're blind, especially in that day, you're a bit of a spectacle. People stare at you, and over time, your your eyes become encrusted and flies buzz around, and yes, it's gross, and then people would blame you and say, you must have done something to deserve this. Either you made God mad or, you know, it's your fault, and so people wouldn't have pity or mercy on you. And so Jesus takes him away one-on-one to care for him. And then he spits on him, which is kind of weird if you ask me, and he touches his eyes, and then he's only partially healed. And he says, I can see people, they look like trees walking around. He sees unclear shapes, and then Jesus touches him again, and then he's fully healed. Which, if we're being honest people, it kind of asks us the questions. Did Jesus not have the power to heal him at once? Did Jesus do something wrong? 
I don't know. It just leads us into some strange places. But then I also wonder if Jesus, as we've already gone through eight chapters of Mark, if Jesus can cast out demons or somebody with many demons, but he can't heal a blind man on the first try? Or you're telling me Jesus can heal people who haven't walked for decades or people who have been bleeding for years and then he can't get this right on the first time? It just doesn't add up, does it? Something tells me that if Jesus has the power to raise people from the dead, which we've already seen in the Gospel of Mark, then he is quite capable of healing a blind man at once on the first try. But he doesn't. Why not? He must have a reason. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about a time where God has really helped you through a difficult season or something difficult. Maybe a time that God healed you physically and maybe it was miraculously or maybe it was through uh, normal, regular medical care, which are absolutely God's means of healing too. Or maybe God brought healing to your heart, your mind, or spiritual healing. Or maybe God brought peace where before about something you only had pain and anxiety. But I want you to think of a time that were brought, where you would say that God brought healing in some way to your life. Body, mind, soul, however it was. Did it happen instantly? Did it happen, snap of a fingers, problem solved, all better? Maybe for some of you, sometimes. But for most of us, often, no, right? It was a long, slow process. How did your healing and how did my healing often come from God? Slowly, gradually, and in stages. As we trust in Jesus, we are often healed gradually. That's the first thing I want you to see from the first look we're having at this story. As we trust in Jesus, we are often healed gradually. When you have suffered deep pain and you trust in Jesus, most often your healing didn't come overnight, but it was a process. A slow process where Jesus led you by the hand, away from the crowds, out of the village, privately, Jesus knelt down next to you and put his pierced hands on you, rubbing the healing salve of his body and blood, crucified and risen for you, on your eyes, on your heart, as he slowly began to heal you. As you trust in Jesus, you are often healed slowly, gradually, and in stages. Meet Jean. Jean was happily married for most of her 20 married years. She and her husband had three children in school, and she took care of most things related to school, sports, all those activities, while her husband worked a rather demanding job that sometimes required him to travel. All of that abruptly ended when he walked out and left her for someone he met at work. Now, you can imagine the pain and anger and resentment that Jean felt. God, why would you let me go through this? God, do you even love me? God, why must I go through this alone? How could I ever forgive him? And now that I think about it, I don't even want to forgive him. God, help me. That kind of pain and hurt doesn't heal overnight, if ever. And below the emotional surface, Jean believed in a God who would never leave her or forsake her, even if it felt like that sometimes. 
And so having to be a single mom through, through difficult times, she kept busy, though, between school and activities with kids and homework, all that kind of stuff, and she still managed to even bring her children to worship week after week, even though at first it felt numb. But slowly and gradually, her heart softened. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Those words, week after week, when she prayed them, echoed through the caverns of her heart and started to even nag at her. I'm not sure I want to forgive him, but God, you have forgiven me all of my sins. You died and rose for me. Maybe you can bring healing to me and help me forgive, even though I'm not sure how. So week by week, month after month, over time, peace emerged from what was only pain and bitterness. It was as if Jesus took her aside and placed his pierced hands on her and stayed with her as he healed her slowly, gradually, and in stages. And if you talk to Jean years later, now she doesn't know how she came to a place of more peace and more hope, but she knows that Jesus brought her there. As you trust in Jesus, you are often healed slowly, gradually, and in stages. Now, I told you that we were going to look at this story in two ways, or on, on two levels, or two layers, or from two angles. So that was the first one. That's, that was a literal look at this healing story. The second, you might guess, if you're uh, thinking about it, is a figurative reading. So the second, figurative. There are not many stories in the Gospels that invite us to do that. Most stay with literal, this happened, what does that mean? There are some... And for some reasons, Mark particularly here wants us to also look at this story in a different way. The literal is very absolutely true, but he wants us to also look at it in a different way, a figurative way. You see, Mark isn't just jamming stories together in a gospel with no coherent plan. Mark is uh, he's writing literature. The Holy Spirit empowered him to organize Jesus' life and ministry in certain ways. So he has themes and he has meanings and, and stories lead to other stories for, for reasons that, that he wants us to see in order. So one thing Mark loads with meaning, added meaning, are blind healing stories. People who can't see being healed. And so throughout Mark, if you come across a story of somebody who's blind and then healed by Jesus, their sight restored, it also has a figurative meaning. And remember, we've been asking one question over and over again that Mark's asking us. Who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe Jesus is? So when Jesus goes up to someone and forgives them their sins, people ask, who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus commands the weather and giant sea storms stop immediately, then the disciples say, who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? And with every story you're being asked, who do you believe Jesus is? Or when you look at Jesus, what do you see? Do you see Jesus? Do you see him for who he truly is? When you look at Jesus, what do you see? The Gentile woman from a few weeks ago sees Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, as the Savior for all people and says, I want your grace too. The man possessed by a demon sees Jesus and calls out and says, Son of the Most High God, he sees him for who he is. So outsiders see Jesus for who he is in Mark, but insiders, the disciples, are still struggling to figure this out. So seeing becomes a metaphor for faith. 
The first part of our gospel reading has Jesus and the disciples talking about bread. They're in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee. Again, they did that a lot. And the disciples are focused on bread, and then Jesus says, no, wait, don't you, this is verse 17, don't you see or understand? Are your hearts still hardened? Do you have eyes, but you don't see? Do you have ears, but you can't hear? And he says, remember when I fed the 5,000? You know, how many baskets were left over after we started with a little bit? And they said, you know, 12. What about the 4,000? He says, do you still not understand? And then that story is right before this one of the healing of the blind man. So for Mark, is telling us that sight has to do with faith. He's telling or asking you, how well are you seeing Jesus? Do you understand who he is? When you look at Jesus, what do you see? I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I seeing is a metaphor for faith. Now, interestingly, when John Newton wrote the words to Amazing Grace, he was physically blind. So when he says, I see clearly than I've more ever seen clearly before in notes, he actually was physically blind when he's writing that. Seeing has to do with faith. So what does Mark want us to see here? The disciples are slowly, gradually, and in stages beginning to see Jesus for who he is. As Jesus heals this blind man slowly and in stages... Mark's also showing us and the disciples how they are slowly, gradually, in stages, beginning to see Jesus for who he is, their Messiah, their Savior, their King. But it's taking time. They don't get it all at once. The disciples are like the man who is blind and Jesus heals. Their spiritual blindness is being cured, but slowly and gradually and in stages. And I think Mark points the finger at us and says, aren't you like that too? How often does your spiritual blindness get healed gradually? How often does areas of faith that you've wrestled with or struggled with, does God deal with and tend to and heal slowly and in stages? How often does your growth in faith, growth in trust in Jesus, come slowly, gradually, and in stages? Maybe you first saw Jesus as simply a nice guy who helped people. And then you dug in a little more to what Jesus said and then said, okay, well, he's you know, more of a, a problem solver or this guy who could make me feel good or, or maybe he can just do you know, whatever I want, sort of a, a useful emotional handyman. But over time, as you read more about Jesus and got more enamored with him and saw, saw what he did and, and then you came to trust him as your Savior, you see more and more of who he is. And you come to realize Jesus is the king of all. He is the long-promised Messiah. He is the king who gets the final say over all of my life. Jesus is the only one who will and can fulfill your deepest longing, who won't always give you what you want, but what you truly need. And by faith, we come to see that Jesus is the only one who solves your biggest problem, dying in your place, rising for you, forgiving you, and putting His Spirit in you to go and make more disciples. Do you see that, Jesus? So when we put both of these together in the story, 
I think here's what we come up with. As we trust in Jesus, we are often healed gradually, and we grow in faith gradually. As we trust in Jesus, we are often healed gradually, and we grow in faith gradually. So may the peace of Christ that goes beyond our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.